Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. We have a great interview today with Akash Nigam. He is the founder and CEO of Genies.com. This is a digital avatar startup that is launching their marketplace on Dapper Labs, which you know, uh, has a blockchain and NFTs and was responsible for uh, the NBA's Top Shot. And it's a fascinating discussion of the history of avatars, virtual spaces, and what the next generation of avatars and monetization options will be in the metaverse. It's really science fiction. Uh, and you're going to really enjoy that discussion. And they've raised a ton of money, like a lot of people in the NFT, digital goods and metaverse space. But let's get into some news. First, we like to start the show now with news. So if you um, haven't noticed, we're going to start with news every day and then go into the interviews. This means the episodes will be about 75 minutes, I think. And we have three news stories to cover today. GameStop is hiring a bunch of Amazon executives, and they've raised a ton of money. We're going to go into the quick tether update for our tether investigation. And streaming is seeing its first decline in the number of subscriptions that each person has that is fascinating subscription overload. So let's do the work stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Rippling helps thousands of fast-growing startups automate their HR and IT, from their team's payroll and benefits to devices and apps. See how at rippling.com slash twist. Squarespace. Turn your idea into a new website. Go to squarespace.com slash twist for a free trial. When you're ready to launch... Use offer code TWIST to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And Linode is the leading independent public cloud provider. Create an account and receive a $100 credit at linode.com slash twist. All right, before we get into the interview uh, and some of the news items today, I want to do a few housekeeping items on Tether. If you don't know, Tether is a stablecoin. And in the last episode, we talked about all of the red flags. I can tell you that personally, and I'm going to say this in a very framed way, so I don't get sued by Tether. Tether has all the red flags I look for when I'm trying to determine if a company is a fraud. I'm not saying Tether is a fraud. I'm saying the red flags, the warning signs are going off like crazy. Now, when a company has all of these red flags and they go dark, that is a red flag in and of itself. If Tether wanted to, they could stop Jim Cramer, CoffeeZilla, and this podcast, and many other crypto enthusiasts who are concerned about Tether. And the crypto enthusiasts are the ones who are most concerned about the lack of disclosure. So listen to episode 1232. And you'll hear my first salvo in the hashtag tether investigation. And we're using that specific hashtag on Twitter, tether investigation. So you can search for that hashtag, you can follow me, you can follow this week in startups. And we're trying to get all the people who are concerned with it, uh, with this issue, and who are joining this investigation to put pressure on tether to show us the facts and to eliminate this massive risk factor, which could be a $60 billion crater that could cause in my estimation and others, some type of contagion in crypto and a contagion in crypto could cause a contagion in the overall economy. And we've known there could be a black swan here because this space is highly unregulated and has global participants 
who have varying degrees of trust, ethics, morals, and criminality. Uh, and that's what happens when you have a new technology that's unregulated, you could have bad actors. And so we don't know that Tether is a bad actor. But we do know their behavior is the same behavior as bad actors. Uh, my friend Coffeezilla, who joined me to expose the clubhouse coaching scammers on episode 1178 did a great video yesterday, the same day I came out with my video. Uh, and that is called exposing tether uh, Bitcoin's biggest secret. So go ahead and do a search on YouTube for Coffeezilla C O F F E E coffee Zilla Z I L L A. He is awesome. Uh, and we crowdsourced some facts uh, since we did our recording yesterday. Tether had an official audit set up with New York City based accounting firm Friedman LLP, but they bailed in 2018 because the auditor was asking for too much information. And according to the terms of service, they don't actually have to redeem your tokens for dollars immediately or at all. And yesterday, Twitter user Topher Penderson reported that you can only exchange your tethers for real dollars if you have over $100,000 to redeem. We should check all those facts, use the hashtag uh, tether investigation, and let's keep the tether investigation going. One thing I would ask is that if you are a large holder of tethers, that you stress test tethers, you may have seen that Tesla sold, I think 100 million of their position in Bitcoin, and they said they just wanted to prove that it was liquid. So this seems like a very reasonable strategy. I would love to uh, see, I don't know, a dozen users who have, let's say, a million dollars or $10 million or $100 million in tethers, cash them in. Let's see, cash them in and let's see what happens. Uh, I'm not saying create a run on tethers. We wouldn't want to create a run on tethers. Of course, if everybody cashed in their tethers, they're backed by cash according to tether. So there should be no problem. But let's go ahead and let's test the system. Let's stress test it. Go ahead. If you own tethers, let's sell some tethers, post your receipts. Let's see the receipts on Twitter. Use the hashtag tether investigation. And we're going to stay on this story. Uh, and we're going to have some other folks on the podcast who have done much more work than us. And we're going to stand on their shoulders, obviously, but we want this to be a group effort. Now GameStop and meme stocks have been an incredible story over the last year. GameStop, as you know, <laughs> is a store that sells games <laughs> and consoles. But that's a very challenged business, but it had a lot of strong, uh, a strong short interest. And uh, the stonks folks over at Reddit decided they would try to put on the short squeeze and it worked. And it looks like GameStop is riding this momentum to take down a bunch of capital and uh, fuel this Reddit fueled run for all it's worth, which seems to be the logical thing to do. If people are rewarding you with a higher stock price, and all of these shorts are getting squeezed, in this crazy battle, well, the logical thing to do for AMC or GameStop or anybody caught up in this is to do a secondary or primary offering and get some more cash into the company. So let's catch up on the Wall Street Bet saga, which we covered in January episode 1167. And uh, the all in episode 19 GameStop ticker symbol GME. So if you're on Twitter, you, you put the dollar sign GME and you can find the whole discussion of this is a video game re retailer that was popular in the 2000s. But in February 2020, pre pandemic, they were operating, say 5500 retail stores throughout the US, Canada, Australia, and Europe, and it initially peaked at $56 a share back in 2013. And you know, you just had this um, slow decline, the stock declined actually for seven years, and it bottomed out under $3 a share in April of 2020. 
in fact, $2.80. Then uh, this Reddit-fueled run started in January of 2021, and GameStop peaked at $347 a share, a $24 billion market cap. Uh, and that gave retail investors national attention for doing the short squeeze. And what happens in a short squeeze, as you know, is people are betting the stock is going to go down, and then they have to buy shares to cover that. And if the stock keeps going up, at some point, they get nervous because they've made the bet that it's going to go down, and they cover their uh, position. And that is painful. So over 170 million shares changed hands between January 25th and 27th, according to CNBC. Uh, and then GameStop plummeted back down to $40 a share in mid February. So everybody said, Okay, short squeeze didn't work, or it worked marginally. Still, you know, from $2.80 to 40 is an incredible jump. It's not to 350. But it's still uh, extraordinary. But then something happened in uh, April and uh, March and April, and it started going back up again. So GameStop has been on a steady climb. It's now sitting at $213 a share a $15 billion market cap. So doubling down on their good fortune, GameStop recently hired uh, five former Amazon executives. They hired a new COO, Jenna Owens, who was GM of distribution at Amazon and ran a team of 200 on the supply chain side. She spent four years at Amazon, a new CTO, Matt Francis, who was an engineering lead at AWS for one year, a new chief growth officer, El Elliot Wilkie, uh, previously director of Amazon Fresh and Prime Pantry for eight years. And they also hired Chewy co-founder Ryan Cohen as a head of e-commerce and named him chairman of the board. And just last week, GameStop hired two more Amazon execs as their CEO and CFO, the CEO, Matt Furlong, who previously ran Amazon Australia and their North American consumer division for nine years, a new CFO as well, who spent 17 years uh, as CFO of Amazon's North American consumer division in total GameStop's. Recent hires have 40 years of combined Amazon experience. How can they afford to do all this? On April 26, GameStop raised $550 million by issuing 3.5 million shares of common stock. And this is via their Q1 2020 earnings report. With all these recent hires, what's the plan? Well, according to CNBC, GameStop is attempting to shift from a brick and mortar focus to become more of an online player in gaming e-commerce. So they also announced their Q1 2021 earnings last week on June 9th. They had a 25 increase in sales year over year from 1 billion to 1.27 uh, billion, 330 million in gross profit, but with a net loss of 60 million, it puts about a $5 billion run rate. So they grew revenue 25% year over year, despite a 12% decline in the global store base due to strategic cost cutting. In other words, they're shutting down stores that don't work. Um, and they also broke an eight quarter streak of negative year over year growth as they were slow to shift their focus from brick and mortar to e commerce. And uh, they've declined to give their yearly forecast, but they stated it has uh, seen a steady increase in sales in Q2. So maybe things are turning around and they have no long-term debt and $770 million in cash. The new world of remote work is here to stay. So are all of the HR and IT headaches that come with it. Like how do you register your startup with dozens of state tax agencies? Or how do you comply with all those different local labor laws? Rippling, which I use for my team at Inside, can answer those questions easily for you. They make it easy to manage both local and remote employees and contractors, whether they work from HQ or Timbuktu. When you hire in new states, Rippling can automatically register your startup with each state's tax agency. 
and keep you compliant with local labor laws. Rippling lets you onboard new hires in 90 seconds. You can instantly set up payroll, benefits, and apps like Slack and GitHub. And you can ship them a work laptop with all the software and security they need. Inside loves Rippling because it takes a lot of complexity off our plate so we can focus on more important stuff like sales and hiring and our key business. And now, thanks to Rippling's new PEO option, your employees can likely access better Fortune 500 level benefits for less than other platforms. So here is your call to action. If you're looking for an easier way to run your startup remotely or just a better way to manage your HR and IT, visit rippling.com slash twist. That's R-I-P-P-L-I-N-G.com slash twist. So you got a bunch of executives, a bunch of cash, and a bunch of enthusiastic shareholders. Is this the type of company you want to short? Perhaps not. And all of those executives know how to sell stuff. So even if 100% of video game sales became digital and you only bought from digital sources, there are other things that video game buyers buy, like computers and mouse pads and mice and headsets and all speakers, you, you name it, right? There, there is, and they buy merch, etc. So there might be now, because GameStop has such a recognizable brand, which is a very hard thing to create in the world. When you have that recognizable brand, you can build brand extensions. And shareholders, these activist retail shareholders, are also the customers. Millennials, Gen Z, they love video games. They prefer video games to television and to movies. And they would much rather spend their time in video games than in theaters. Therefore, they can go spend their money at a company that they own shares in. This is uh, the singularity that could make GameStop actually worth the amount of money that it became worth because of the short squeeze. I'm not a fan of shorting stocks. I don't play in that game. I find that crazy uh, and gambling. That being said, a real brand has emerged with incredibly high uh, name recognition with an army of super fans. And I see this at the early stage when I invest through my syndicate because the accredited investors in my syndicate become super fans, promoters, supporters, consultants, advisors to those founders. Now we're talking about 100, 200 people in a syndicate who are accredited investors and they're putting in $5,000 to $500,000. When we talk about retail investors, you could be talking about 50,000, 500,000, eventually 5 million retail investors holding onto a share. Well, what are they going to do if they people who own Starbucks are more likely to go to Starbucks, people who own AMC are going to go to the movies to support their investment. This is something that hedge funds betting against is going to be really, really dangerous. It's the same impact that you saw with people who own Tesla cars wanting to buy the stock and being in love with the brand and buying a second and third Tesla. They're financially incentivized and they love the product. Massive danger for people playing financial games uh, or shenanigans like shorting and spreading fear, uncertainty and doubt, the classic FUD. So market research firm iMark Group estimated that the global gaming market was 167 billion in 2020. Uh, and we'll go to 287 billion. Now that's just a TAM number that includes the selling of the video games and the consoles. That doesn't mean that that is in fact GameStop's actual opportunity, but uh, it does show you the scale of, of the business. And you really can't say what if they got 1% of that, but 
you could say, you know, th there's enough money sloshing around in there for them to build a reasonable business. They face massive competition from Amazon plus Microsoft and Google. Now, could they become like a pure play in gaming like Netflix is to streaming? Not so sure about that. Uh, it sounds to me if they're hiring all those Amazon execs that maybe digital isn't the strategy. Maybe it's the strategy is to sell goods and services, which is really easy. Uh, maybe they'll come out with a GameStop PC, a, a, a branded GameStop PC. Maybe they uh, buy some game studios and actually make some games. There's a world of possibilities when you're sitting on a ton of cash and you've got a brand. Maybe they start buying small app companies, right? For a hundred million, 250 million each. It's a GameStop Studios game, right? For your iPad or for your desktop. This could be very interesting. What if GameStop created a crowdfunding site and they said to all these crazy investors, we're going to spin up an equity crowdfunding for a game title and we want you all to pre-buy the game. How crazy would that be? Anything that taps into hundreds of thousands of rabid fans and shareholders, perhaps even millions, could be the playbook here. And this could be a new playbook that's happening. Somebody becomes a meme stock, which translation means they're very popular amongst retail investors. They issue more shares to raise money. And then they hire incredibly talented management teams and say, here's an incredible brand with incredible shareholders and a pile of cash. Go. Doesn't mean that it's going to work but it does mean that these retail investors have now become venture capitalists in a way they're putting money into a company they're getting attention for it and then they're recruiting massive talent sounds like what a venture capitalist does so we'll see if this becomes sustainable it is insane it's crazy nobody ever uh, thought about this but gamestop recently launched nft.gamestop.com unclear what the purpose of this yet but it seems like they're getting into nft non-fungible tokens and Retail investors are becoming more like sports fans, aren't they? They're kind of rooting for their positions, just like I do for the Knicks, like a maniac and fly to New York to go watch two uh, incredible <laughs> playoff games and lose my voice. But instead of buying Knicks tickets, they're buying shares in GameStop and they're rooting for the home team. They would buy, if GameStop people just bought GameStop t-shirts, it could be a $100 million a year. <laughs> business just like when elon sold the flamethrower they sold out immediately uh or the boring company i think sold 10 million dollars in merch many hands makes for light works and do not underestimate the power of a collective community we have seen this overthrow governments through revolutions we have seen it in pop culture send obscure people to the top of the charts and now we're seeing it in stocks the power of many people acting in unison using social media can create uh, revolutions and this is a revolution okay and very quickly the average number of streaming services per us user has declined for the first time the number declined from 7.23 in november to 7.06 in april according to a report from the research firm omdia the number includes both free and paid services which is a little fugazi to be totally honest uh, but after the 2020 explosion in vod video on demand growth, uh, I guess we're seeing a cooling of the market partially driven by viewing habits normalizing and industry consolidation said Omdia. And so pretty interesting to me, I have always thought that six, seven or eight would be the ones you could keep in your memory. I'm just thinking about it out loud here. I have Netflix, Disney, Hulu, HBO Max, NBA, Spotify, I don't know if they include that here. 
and I might have one or two others. In other words, I can't even remember. And oh, yeah, I want to get the Criterion collection. The reason this is amazing is because each of these services cost 10 bucks, six, seven, eight services times 10, 60, 70, 80 dollars sounds a lot like the average cable bill. So if you add the cable bill into it, which now is in a cable bill, it's just for your internet service at home. What do people pay for internet service at home? 30, 40, 50 bucks on average. So 70 bucks in services, 30, 40 bucks in the plumbing equals 100 bucks equals what people were paying previously in a bundle. So we had the great unbundling. And now we're just ordering a la carte. And what's great about ordering a la carte is it keeps each of these services at the top of their game because competition results in greater and better outcomes. HBO and Netflix and Amazon Prime. Oh, that's the other one I have. And Disney are on it. They are on it trying to make incredible content. And that is good for consumers on a global basis. This is why things like bundling and monopolies are the worst things you can do in society, whether it's in education, housing, uh, healthcare, or entertainment, we want to see vibrant competition. And if you look at the things that have gotten more expensive, and have disappointed us in society, it's the ones with the least competition, also known as the ones that are run by governments or monopolies. What's run by governments monopolies here in the United States, healthcare, education, and housing. Where are we suffering in America? Healthcare, education, and housing. These are the things we need to solve. And the way to solve them is through competition. And who is responsible for the lack of competition in those unions, politicians, and NIMBY people, people with a vested interest, we need to crack those non competitive spaces and make them competitive again, if we truly want growth. The amazing thing about these subscription services is just how many subscribers they already have I told you Disney would ca catch up to Netflix, they're well on their way. Uh, Netflix has 208 million subscribers. Disney's halfway there, 103. Disney's going to blow past Netflix. I believe Disney will always have about 50% more than Netflix uh, because Disney appeals to families, kids, and adults. So if you're into Marvel and Star Wars, you get everybody. Netflix, they, you know, Netflix just got into kids. I don't think they're very good at it. They don't have any proprietary IP. I, I really am uh, concerned about Netflix long term. I don't think they're going away. But I do think that this is going to be a challenging environment for them with Disney having run the table and bought Star Wars, Pixar and Marvel. So HBO Max didn't see this one coming 64 million. Uh, they grouped their HBO and HBO Max subscriptions together. But HBO Max has been wonderful. I'm really loving the content there. And so it's going to be an incredible future. Obviously, Amazon, we talked about recently acquired MGM, which means they have Robocop, Rocky, James Bond, all that good stuff. And Amazon is going to spend something like <laughs> their Lord of the Rings series is going to be 465 million for the first season, the most expensive ever. Game of Thrones cost 100 million a season. So Amazon spent 250 million for the rights to the token, uh, JRR token property in 2017. And they plan on doing five seasons, which would cost over 2 billion. And to nerds everywhere from the 80s and 90s, congratulations. This is your Nirvana. Okay. So next up is an amazing show. Let's get to it. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace is the all in one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business blog or publish content 
promote your business, announce upcoming events or special projects, and sell products and services of all kinds and more. No matter the problem, Squarespace is the answer. They have beautiful templates by world-class designers, but that's not it. They also have powerful e-commerce functionality, and everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. So no matter what you're using, an iPad, a Surface, an iPhone, an Android phone, it doesn't matter. All these beautiful templates just work. And of course, it's got built-in SEO, free and secure hosting, and 24-7 award-winning customer support. Uh, we, we did Remote Demo Day in 2020. We were suffering through the pandemic. We were confused. How are these startups going to get funded? And I said, you know what? Throw up a Squarespace site. It's a project. Maybe it turns into a business. And boy, did it ever. We have now funded over uh, a dozen companies, over $14 million in funding, and this all from setting up a simple Squarespace website and weeding. So go to squarespace.com slash twist for a free trial. Squarespace.com slash twist for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code twist and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And congratulations for the team going public by direct listing on May 19th. What an amazing journey it's been. Just super congratulations. I know you, you, you all worked really hard over there to get the product to scale and to delight customers and it's just delightful for us. And we look forward to having you on the pod, Anthony, to take a little victory lap. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Okay, next on the program, we've got a founder of a company that just raised a ton of money to help you build your avatar and to help celebrities build their avatars. What are avatars, you ask? Well, if you haven't been paying attention for the last 20 or 30 years, avatars are your virtual representation in a digital space. So if you're on an Oculus or previously in Second Life or in a video game, World of Warcraft, you can decorate your avatar. But something interesting has happened uh, over the last decade or so. Many different platforms have started to create avatar creating tools. You probably have seen this on your iPhone where you can create basically, what do they call it, emojis or something? Memoji. Uh, Meme, what do they call it? Memojis. Memojis, yeah. Memojis, terrible name. Uh, <laughs> but these have now crashed into another movement, which is creators online and NFTs and digital goods being bought and traded and sold as collectibles, not just some sword or hat of magic you could buy in World of Warcraft, but another use case, one that is quite speculative, but also quite inspiring and uh, interesting. So welcome to the program, Akash uh, Nigam. How are you, sir? Good. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, a pleasure, a pleasure. So how long have you been working on Genies? Oh my God, maybe the most loaded question of all time. Um, yes. There was a predecessor to Genies called Blend, uh, which is what I dropped out of school for. This is what, like maybe 2015 at this point. Um, and so it's been a long, long, long journey, but we only pivoted into Genies December 8th, 2017. So I know the exact date. So what, like maybe three and a half, four years. Got it. So you've been at this for about six years. What is the, what was the goal of uh, you know, the first two projects in terms of your North Star, what you were trying to accomplish. And then how has that changed? Because I know that you have gotten an investment now from Dapper Labs and Coinbase Ventures. And obviously, NFTs have become a thing, which I'm assuming you didn't anticipate. And there might have been a different North Star or goal for the company. So I... You know, it's funny is that we've been talking about NFTs for, I think, around whatever since we got into virtual identity and genies um, three and a half years ago without even knowing what an NFT was. Like the reason why it even came about was, uh, you know, we've talked about genies or avatars being able to sell digital goods, collectibles and skins. 
but we would always compare that to places like Fortnite or Roblox. And that's how we drew the comparison. And I was posting on social media all of last year and talking about, you know, what genies and our celebrity genies would be able to do in the future. Whenever they announce a song album, they could release digital goods and collectibles in association with that event. And then Roham, CEO of Dapper, ended up reaching out. He was like, dude, like, you know, everything that you're saying on social media is an NFT. You know that, right? And I was like, no, what's an NFT? Ah, So I think like, you know, so like, I think like, you know, we've been talking about like the concept of what an NFT can provide to humans and I think users in general um, for a very, very long time. But I think the actual definition of NFT or like the, you know, as it pertains to crypto, we didn't really, um, we didn't really plan on. But I think the through line for sure. The, the the business North Star has always been how do you how do you allow humans to get back to their authentic self? So we think that you know the founding philosophy of the internet was really um, a place to really be exactly who you want to be and exactly who you are authentically inside. In places like Instagram or Twitter, where you're trying to posture and flex two notches above yourself, get away from that. So you know you've seen probably the movie Ready Player One or read the book. You'll see how Both. they take on amazing. So you see yeah. how they take on a completely different form than they are in the real world, which people think is like a different side of themselves, is more so the true side of themselves. And so we think that avatars over time will be able to extract that ability from people and allow them to get back to their authentic self. So Snapchat has Bitmoji built into the platform, and they have other reasons to obviously use Snapchat, sharing stories, ephemeral messaging. Apple has meme. OG and they <laughs> gotta hate that name. <laughs> Apple's usually really good at naming. That's a terrible name. I know they should have um, gone with I. Yeah, iMoji. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was that somebody owned it or had the trademark on it and they couldn't get it. But the Memoji, obviously, there's a reason for that. You're already in uh, your uh, natural environment of chatting with somebody on iMessage. And then you look at something like Fortnite, which they took in 1.8 billion in digital sales in 2019. You're in a game, there's a reason to be there. So I guess what I'm wondering is with your service, what is the reason to be there? I understand that you're creating the ability for people to make these, but unlike Minecraft where people are building worlds, uh, you seem more like an avatar as a service. Is that a good way for me to think about it? Is that you're making a toolkit to make avatars or is it you're making a toolkit to make avatars so that you can sell things like NFTs? Yeah, so I think that's a good question. I think like the best way to think about genies is that we're extrapolating avatars and digital goods that have been prevalent in gaming for decades. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to bring it to social circles and social communities for the very first time. So our goal is to really allow you to evangelize your avatar as your identity in places like Instagram, like TikTok, like Snapchat, like Roll. You can go everywhere, any place that you exist, any place that you have friends, you can use Genies as a virtual portable identity. So instead of being stuck within one ecosystem, it travels with you. And if we allow people to start um, having a uh, avatar affiliation with a genie and they care about it in the step one of a long step 10 journey for, you know, our company, then over time, we can start to introduce a lot of dynamic capabilities. And like, look, like Memoji and, um, you know, Memoji is amazing, but Moji is great too. But I think the word avatar has evolved over time. Like I think maybe in 2014 and 15 and 16, what avatar meant was just a caricature of yourself that could render in 20 different ways and you can use it as a sticker pack and that was an avatar. And I think in today's world, especially after this cleanse of the pandemic and this metaverse thinking, 
An avatar is more akin to like a virtual being. It's like what has dynamic capability in this virtual world besides just a sticker pack. It's like, I want to be able to control this thing. I want it to have machine learning capabilities. I want it to be able to interact in a brand new way. So that's kind uh, of like the the way that so we're you kind see of it not just as a visual representation of yourself, but as an entity unto itself that could be a version of myself or almost like a partner of myself. I could have this character that I create. The Cyber Surfer was my original avatar <laughs> and, on the you know bulletin boards in the eighties and into the nineties. But the idea here is that you could have your uh, avatar that is built on Genie's then be portable and go to other places right now to do that you would just be exporting a video clip or maybe an image but have you made any partnerships with the platforms where they say you know what we want to let you show up in fortnite with your genies or show up into oculus or are those platforms just way too threatened by this concept of a you know portable avatar so i would say this so for the past two and a half years as long as we've been doing genies we've been exclusively available to celebrities and tastemakers and it's not like we jumped into this business saying we want to build avatars for that community in fact we were four people in san francisco no entertainment background no la background no ties at all and when we released it december 8 2017 all the first adopters were celebrities and we're like why so we came down to la and the reason why and like we we started to like see the 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 psychology around it was because they're the most scrutinized lifestyle and group they aren't able to be themselves in the real world right like they're always having to put on this different posture and so forth and so they started to build out this second identity and this second narrative through their genie because it allowed them to have this safe haven to therapeutically um, become themselves so we've been catering to that audience perpetuating that over time uh, but we wanted to always deliver that to also consumers. And so the best way to allow consumers to leverage their genies and be able to participate in some of these celebrity moments with their avatars as well and buying their digital goods and so forth is coming out with our API. So our API will integrate our genie creator into third-party platforms. And your genie basically takes on a different superpower depending on the environment that it's on. And by superpower, I mean the use case, right? So uh, one of the partners that we've already announced has been Giphy, um, owned by Facebook or like, you know, I think it's going to be owned by Facebook. They're in the phase of that, whatever. But, you know, 700 million daily active users, they have integration and distribution network within TikTok, within Snapchat, within Twitter, you kind of name it, they have the distribution network there. It's an expected use case, I would say, you know, like it isn't like the crazy virtual being type use case quite yet. But our goal is to roll out hundreds of partners like this over this year. So we just so announced what's going to happen there, I would take my I would be able to make gifts out of my avatar and then attach them to a tweet or something like that. Yeah. So like, you know, you can create a genie. Um, the genie can then and you know, we'll talk about this here probably in a second, but you can go to the genie's marketplace, you can go buy different digital goods and collectibles from all of your favorite icons and tastemakers and IP that's out there. And then you can leverage that um, those digital goods on your avatar and then use it as a GIF. it'll render x, y and z different GIFs throughout the network and use it throughout the distribution network. Now, the difference is that you'll be able to then between us and other, you know, avatar platforms like you named like uh, Memoji or Bitmoji. So you can take the genie avatar and then you can go log in to another platform. And we have a few, we probably have a few dozen that we're working with that are very, um, you know, I would say influential within the social space where you have a completely different use case on that platform, whether it's, you know, it becomes your dancing partner or you're, you know, you're, you're creating skits with it or things like that, or in another platform, it may become your mannequin that you dress up from head to toe and you choose which accessories you want to buy. Depending on the platform, 
um, and the way that they want to integrate genies, it assumes this different use case. And so your genie, depending on where you are, almost becomes this like ultimate Facebook login button, right? It's like it doesn't, it, it comes with kind of like the visual identity. It comes with all Got the it. goods so and face, collections. Imagine Facebook Connect and yep. having, when you Facebook Connect, you're in the Facebook example or the Google example, it would take your, not your avatar, but your your profile photo and bring it with you or take your bio, bring it with you, take your email, bring it with you. Here, the next generation of social services you might be able to have a, a unified login with genies. I make my avatar once. And if I bought something from Prada or I bought a Madonna t-shirt, I could then wear it on these other platforms and take it with me. Yeah. I mean, depending on the collectible, right? It's like an avatar becomes a vehicle to showcase your digital good NFTs wherever you go. Um, and then also, of course, like different use cases, depending on the capabilities that they implore. Ah, so that gets very interesting. Um, if I heard correctly in, in that sentence was embedded. Hey, if you bought some NFTs, if you bought Marshmallow, the DJ's, you know, helmet, mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. you bought this, you know, uh, boxing gloves from Floyd Mayweather versus whatever, Jake Paul or Logan, Logan Paul, Paul, whichever, yeah. Yeah, which I saw that was on the, on the site, you could actually have those with you and you could flex when you're in a digital space that you have those. Are you getting a little sick of the cloud wars? Aren't we all? It's time to cut your cloud bill in half and get amazing customer support and save $100. It's time to grow your business with Linode. No matter what kind of business you're running, whether it's a streaming app, an e-learning platform, or anything using machine learning, you need reliable infrastructure and hosting. And Linode offers simple, affordable, and accessible cloud computing solutions. So why use Linode instead of the competition? Well, there's no lock-in. You can change services as you please and price predictability. They don't charge based on bandwidth usage. What an incredible innovation. So you're going to save up to 50% off the other major providers. They've been around for 17 years, almost two decades. So they've been doing this for a while now and you can trust them. We use Linode for hosting This Week in Startups Australia and it is fantastic. We get 24-7 human support with no tiers, no handoffs. And that's why Linode is the leading independent public cloud provider. See if you can cut your cloud bill in half today and save $100 at linode.com slash twist. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash twist l-i-n-o-d-e dot com slash twist go ahead and create account and receive a hundred dollar credit right now do you have your own virtual space where genies can walk around and meet each other and interact so like i said we have step one of a long step 10 journey i think the winner ultimately is going to be the one that takes a very long-term thoughtful approach about how one builds affiliation and loyalty with their avatar and so step one is just affiliation and we have this genie's flywheel the flywheel is basically all the talent that we've worked with over the past two and a half years, which is a few a few thousand at this point. We have 99% celebrity avatar market share. We announce our what partnership. What do the celebrities get out of it? I mean, aside from the touchy-feely stuff you talked about, like, oh my God, it lets them solve all their psychological celebrity problems, which I'm not sure if that actually makes sense because celebrities are kind of constructs already. Uh -huh. And so if you make a virtual version of it, is a construct of who Madonna is at their heart or who is actually Cardi B or is it the character that is Cardi B that, you know, she sort of manufactured. But putting that aside, what, what do they get out of it? Are you just paying them to do this? Or no, are they doing no. it because they get to sell stuff? I'm talking about today. Are, is Cardi B making money from this? Is Madonna making money from this? Yeah. So 
I think celebrities have been leveraging their avatars because it does allow them to showcase a different side of their personality, but they use it to memorialize any key life-defining moment. So a song release, an album release, where they're looking to connect with different audiences, this has been one of the predominant ways to connect with Gen Z. Gen Z that's right well, now that already- that English? What does it mean? Like, give me an so example. So Gen Z, for example, they think that right now we live in a game simulation, right? Like that's probably one of their number one lines that they say is like, oh, shit. That's a glitch in the simulation if they like spill like yes. a Coke or something like that. They um, There's a reason why anime is at an all-time high. Like, I think Got people it. love ver- living in this virtual world. People believe in like, you know, the kids are, they believe that we were put on this earth for some abstract reason. They're looking at crystals and moon rocks 24-7. So, this their, their mindset is completely warped and different than a lot of the other generations. And so, I think when they see an avatar, it's a really cool new story for them to be able to follow. In some ways, you can kind of imagine almost becoming, Genie's becoming the decentralized Disney, right? Meaning mm-hmm. that Disney has set characters, set script, whatever, and then you go make a movie and then people go watch that movie. Well, what if I gave the tools to Justin Bieber or Cardi B and we said, hey, listen, you go make your own movie and people mm-hmm. can go follow this narrative and people can go fall in love with that IP. Ah, okay. So now it gets interesting. You get everybody in phase one to make their characters. Now you're in phase two and I saw you had Justin Bieber used his uh, genie to create a music video with Chance the Rapper. He and does. So, yeah. So now if you actually had a world builder, you could have people going and buying stuff in NFTs and making short videos like some of the memes people made, etc. And that could be a way to express yourself. And now instead of just living in a simulation, you're making a simulation, and then you can control that world or participate in a simulation within the simulation that you and I are running right now. And I would say that's very, um, you know, that is what celebrities today already do with genies. You were asking about the monetization angle with yeah. it. Justin Bieber or Shawn Mendes, for example, it's not like it's like a one and done. They Justin Bieber has been using his genie in, a, in I would say, 50% of his key life-defining moments over the past two years, a song release, an album release, or so forth. They kind of sit there as a team. And he was Justin is a bunch of different artists that are like, what's our PR plan? What's our Instagram plan? What's our genie plan? And the mm. genie starts to build IP and value over time so that, you know, the marketplace we just announced at Dapper Labs, which is debuted, that's the next big thing after NBA Top Shot. They just announced, announced this four weeks ago. Justin Bieber can now sell, you know, like if he comes out with a Christmas album, he can now sell a thousand limited edition Santa Claus hats for his fans to be able to go try scurry and go buy and use on their own avatar. So it becomes very valuable IP over time. But I think the use case and the utility and the context in which you use your avatar is super important. And so that's where the API comes into play and the way that consumers can use their genie ultimately over time. So Giphy is a good start, but we want hundreds of partners so that they have a virtual portable identity. But the genie's world would be something that would come in right after we hook consumers where they currently exist, right? So like we want to hook them through behaviors that they currently already do. So whether it's TikTok or Instagram or Twitter, let's allow them to play with their genie avatars amongst those communities that were already created so that when we do roll out our own world, and this could be years down the line, you know, it almost comes out as a new, just another place or another environment where they can leverage their avatar. And you did start with a social network blend before you pivoted into this. So you obviously have an affinity for social networks. And obviously something like Second Life, which actually did really well, made millions of dollars. I don't know if you did you grow up on Second Life and some of those other services? And I'm curious your thoughts of the arc of Second Life. 
so avatars are not a new thing, right? It's a, you know, they've been yet. around, they've been around for forever. Um, and I would say Second Life was ahead of its time in so many ways. I would say that avatars back then were kind of for like an underground niche kind of community. At least that's how it was perceived. Cyberpunk, yeah. Yeah. If you had an avatar back then, it was like, you know, you were not, you were probably not considered part of like the cool, trendy, like whatever crowd. It was for nerds. For sure. Now you have uh, in this world where we just talked about Gen Z and their mentality where they've grown up, forget growing up on the internet, they grew up on Instagram, right? And Instagram soon going to become outdated. So they've grown up on all of these type of social platforms. Avatar is not weird at all. Like I think they're looking to swing the pendulum back to a place where they can actually therapeutically be yourself. You go to the, like, I can't imagine what it's like to be a 14 year old in high school today and the different type of social pressures each person has to posture themselves online in a way that's going to be acceptable. Well, what if you can have an avatar that allows you to really be yourself? You can live in a uh, pseudonymous environment as well and allow your avatar to build its own personality and still express yourself in ways that, you know, photo, video and text and the normal platforms currently just don't justify. Yeah, I mean, if you every generation has become more open minded about how they represent themselves in the world and, and who they are, whether it's you know, your gender or your sexuality or your mm-hmm. style. I mean, you used to have to fall into like one of five groups. You have to be a jock, a goth, a punk, mm-hmm. a rocker, et cetera, a nerd. And uh, now, my God, people can be part of uh, any of these categories. So with the um, NFTs, have you started selling those yet? And how is that going? Yeah, so we did a, cu- a few different drops, right? Digital goods releases. We did one with Sean Mendez. We did one with Mesut Ozil. He's a top 10 international soccer player. We did one with Pac-Man. And we just kind of wanted to test to see who would who would react, who would be the buyers and how they, w- they would do. Um, Sean Mendez decided in a pre-sale opportunity to sell um, different digital goods to memorialize his last album. So he sold a guitar. He sold um, a vest with a bunch of design from the album art, things like that. And he did around $600,000 in around 10, uh, in around around 10 minutes completely sold out. The interesting portion about this, which I think is different than most NFTs, is that most of the buyers were a non-crypto community. So a lot of his fans were galvanized around that. And the big reason, and like, you know, that's kind of the bet with genies is that we're able to bridge the chasm between the crypto and the non-crypto community. Like, you know, people always talk about these days, NFTs are blowing up, right? Like everyone, I mean, these days, you know, it's ebbs and flows, but like when it was blowing up, everybody's screaming that. But if you jump into a clubhouse tonight and people are talking about NFTs, I guarantee you there's no teenagers there. It's probably all business business executives, music executives. There's no like actual, you know, kids of culture. Reason why is if I go to a 13 year old today and I'm like, hey, listen, you can go buy this NFT is going to accrue in value over the next four months and you get to flip it and you get to make like, you know, whatever, two extra money. They don't give a f- like they don't care at all. Right. They're sitting there like, I, you know, if I got a Pokemon card when I was a kid, I wasn't looking at the financial return. I was just excited that I had one. So, um, you know, from our perspective, we see kids that interact with NFTs at that level, but they max out their parents' credit cards to buy Fortnite skins all day long. So we think that through this, we're speaking a language and a mechanism that they understand where they can, we don't have to scream the the acronym NFT. We don't need to tell them about blockchain or crypto. We just say, look, go buy this dope digital good or wearable from some of these icons that you already look up to and you're infatuated with. You get to own that moment in time, that album in time, that song release in time, but you get to use it and wear it and use it in front of all the different fan communities out there um, that would relish that forever. Yeah, I mean, it's super interesting. This is now maybe the fourth or fifth time I've seen somebody try to make this work. It Back in 2002, I don't know, how old are you? Uh, 28. 
28. So 2002, you were uh, eight years, seven years old? I was born in 92, 10, 93. 10, you were 10 years Nine. old. There was a very cool service that started like in the early 2000s called WeWorld. And it let you create like a South Park-like avatar. And actually, they had a bunch of promoted artists. And in fact, Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber, a bunch of other people had kind of done uh, stuff there. And it was just for communicating. It was a very interesting, very similar, but we didn't have the technology or NFTs or crypto or any of these kind of things. It's super interesting when you take two technologies, avatars and virtual worlds, and then combine it with a new business model. So is that why the company now, I'm assuming you're just started making money this year? Or when did you first turn on revenue? Uh, for the company we've been making revenue here and there in the past but it'd be more of like brand endorsement deals like somebody Got would be like hey listen like yeah. yeah this year you know with everything we've been planning for digital goods but not as nfts like technically mm -hmm. we weren't planning them to be nfts we're just like look like you're going to sell digital goods people are going to buy them they're going to be non-tradable assets but it's very akin to what you see in Fortnite when people are buying skins and they're not tradable right um, we only technically made them NFTs after we engaged with Roham and Dapper Labs. So um, smart. And they which, have an API and a platform for that. So you can just adopt their technology and be part of their no, standard. Well, it actually, this is, um, yeah, I mean, like after NBA Top Shot, we actually um, are now working with for the past, I guess, eight months now, we've been working with them hands on um, and taking the NBA Top Shot economy design team and everybody that built NBA Top Shot. And they're actually the ones building the Genie's Marketplace. Ah, so this is, sweet. yeah, so we Dapper Labs announced this four weeks ago. Uh, the next thing that they're announcing after NBA Top Shot is the Genie's Marketplace. This will be the next one that's going to be debuted. So hopefully over the next two to three months, you know, we've been working with their team and so forth. So it's a custom, it's kind of a custom integration, but I would assume that is over all time. their stuff on an open standard? I seem to remember when I had Roham on the podcast, he was yeah. talking about everything being open standards. And eventually, look, I mean, like the way I at least pitched Dapper Labs on his behalf. So I don't know how he, I mean, I obviously know and I see what he does on Twitter and so far. I talk to him often, but like I view them as trying to become basically the Apple operating system of blockchain, right? So it's like they've shown, they've, they've so far shown two rocket ship hits Crypto Kitties and then um, NBA Top Shot. But they're the makers of both of those um, both yeah. those entities, right? So this will be the first time where I think they're trying to showcase that somebody mm -hmm. that's not a Dapper Labs company can come to Flow and then launch a product with them and it can do really, really well. And I think this is a really important case study for them because if it does go well, then all of a sudden, yes, of course, they should. I mean, they will. And that's kind of the vision is make it open source. They're probably going to take a lot of the learnings from our use case plus tandem with the um, with MBA Top Shot. And they're going to start to develop an API open source platform so that anybody can come build on Flow. And I think they already have started to do that in a very nascent manner but it's not really like at you know high complexity at all yeah his his pitch was listen it's all open standards if nba top shot wants to leave and not do the partnership with us they can go do it on their own eventually and obviously all those nfts are out there in the wild on an open standard and we don't control them afterwards and uh you know it's all up to the license people put on to each uh nft and we had like some crazy examples of like a Gucci bag on Roblox selling yeah. for $4,000. Non-tradable. Non-tradable, non really. That's the thing. That's like, that's why, that's why, you know, let's say. And why is that important? If NFTs, like if NFTs didn't exist, this is it. We would be doing the exact same thing. Right. Like mm. this is this is literally what we've been planning for years. Um, I would say that everything's been accelerated probably by three years. Like we probably were planning on this being, uh, you know, our 2024 game plan. But like I would say that, um, you know, it's cool to see not cool, but it's a, you know, this conviction, at least on our side, we're biased that a non-tradable asset, the utilitarian value to a non-crypto user of being able to own a Gucci bag 
just for the sake of being able to say, I own this one, is that value valuable to them psychologically is really, really cool. And I think most people obviously have become so obsessed and uh, infatuated with NFTs because they've taken every single headline. But a lot of the people that are buying NFTs um, in different projects, whether it's NBA Top Shot and a few others, um, I think NBA Top Shot is like way better than most projects. They're doing it for, for a financial return, right? Like, you know, I sit there and I'm like, the crypto is not like, yeah, well, it's not like the crypto community is sitting there and probably being like the biggest basketball fans on earth, right? It's like, you know, they see the model, they see how they want to be able to make returns and they buy accordingly and they sell accordingly. NBA Top Shot's gotten way, you know, they've, they've obviously um, escaped that velocity, velocity and they've gotten a lot of non-crypto members within the community that are buying and selling and trading now. But it's cool to see that outside of the NFT world, just the value of owning a digital asset and showing it off to your friends without anything having to verify that is just gives almost more conviction to just the value of what digital goods economy can become if immersed in culture. Yeah. And yours, do you see people buying the digital goods on genies primarily as, you know, decorative and low cost a couple of dollars? Do you see them primarily as tradable assets? Or do you think it'll be a combination of those two things? We're going to make them all tradable, but it, to foster a healthy economy, it actually is suggested that you don't have a secondary market out of the gates because then you get a bunch of people looking to just flip it immediately. And that's just, it doesn't stabilize for a long-term healthy economy, right? Like we do want people here that are just obsessed with um, owning the Gucci bag and just being able to show off to their friends because they see utilitarian value just in that. We're looking to specialize in affordable costing, right? So they are going to be low cost. The economy will dictate exactly um, how that increases in prices. So like, you know, a $4,000 Gucci ro- uh, uh, a Gucci bag in Roblox doesn't surprise me at all. I think there will be situations situations where there's going to be one of ones where people are just going nuts for it. Um, But we hope to cater to, you know, I think the crypto community is amazing. And I think, you know, we talk about the crypto community being completely separate from the rest of the world today. But over Mm. time, everybody's going to be the crypto community, right? Like everybody's going to seems like a great onboarding for it. I mean, uh, I saw that you did something with Bandai, which for people who don't know, they're the, I think the owners and creators of Pac-Man, which is 41 years old, which is impossible, because I remember playing it for the first time in an arcade i guess i'm getting old but um explain to me how that partnership works it's it's what we expect these are just test cases for us to show and give a glimpse into what's going to be a daily occurrence within the genie's marketplace right so like we had sean mendez do a digital goods drop we had pac-man celebrate an iconic key life-defining moment in anniversary and do a digital goods drop as well um, and that came about, we opened up our Asia offices last year. One of the big um, investors that we brought on board in the region was Bandai Namco. Um, and Bandai Namco actually um, engaged our Genie's Asia entity to, to, to do this um, entire activation and sell these unique Pac-Man wearables that different people could buy depending on the flavor that they liked and then use on their own avatar. Now, the, the, the consumer genies have not yet rolled out to the masses. We've just done a test flight. We've maxed out on test flight and our pre-order is actually going to be available over the next two days so that people over the next three months until the marketplace is live will be able to sign up um, so that when we do roll out the marketplace, they can also access their genie and then all the different pre-sell wearables that they've garnered over the last three activations. But at this point, we're just stockpiling all of our talent and all different IP that we think is going to resonate with the community for all the different types of moments that are coming up in the fall and then also in the winter, and then allowing them to release them throughout the week when the marketplace debuts. And there's going to be around maybe, you know, at first, maybe like two drops or so a week, but eventually it's going to be 
a daily occurrence. And then our goal is to make it so that it's not just celebrities or valuable IP partners that are selling their wearables, but that we're going to make the tools that we have internally consumer facing so that the 16 year old in high school that wants to just create a wearable because there's an inside joke amongst her friends can just release it on the marketplace. Ah, and either So anybody like it'll be like Etsy, anybody can just release anything. It'll be a total free for all. That's why, you know, there's, there's like, you know, step one of the vision, but step two, UGC anything, right? So the ability for me to just randomly be able to create, it's very similar to what Snapchat did with lenses, which I thought was brilliant, right? It's like in the very beginning, they controlled all the different lenses that they sold and they displayed within Snapchat. Then eventually they took it to the second step where you had to be a designer, but designers all of a sudden could, t- could participate and create their own lenses and then deploy it within different regions. And then finally, they've made it so that anybody, you don't have to be technical or anything like that, can create your own lens and then deploy it. And it's been beautiful. And so we see something very similar happening with our wearables. We're already giving out documentation where designers can already start to create their own wearables. We're already giving out to select members within the NFT community, within just a design community in general. But to be able to tap into the creativity of Gen Z and allow them to come up with their own wearables that will be reflective of micro trends within high schools and colleges and so forth is very, very interesting. And that's just on digital goods. Eventually, we're going to have that for animations as well. And what do you make money with, you know, like an Apple 30%, you know, store fee? How do you make money? So we do right now we have a split with the IP partner. So, you know, the IP partner, you know, we just signed with WMG. That's one of them. Uh, you know, we're, we're is announcing it a public split or is it a standard split like an app store or not a, not a public split, but I would say it's just, you know, the only thing I can say is a fair split. <laughs> um, and you know, so we similar have, to app stores, I would guess. I have no, yeah. I mean, or YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would say probably a little bit higher than that, but you know, it's, 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 um, I think when it becomes UGC, right? So it's like UGC for anything, digital goods, animations, you can sell your quintessential sound. Like if Sean Mendes mm-hmm. wanted to record himself in the studio and he wanted to say like, this is the one sound um, of the first line of the verse that I recorded and I want to sell like, you know, 15 of these to my fans. So then everybody can then use it on their own avatar. And with face tracking, if I entered a room or I entered a space on TikTok, all of a sudden I said like, you know, the one line from Sean Mendes or things like that. There's so many different things you can do with UGC. But that's kind of for step two, step three of the journey. And how does AR uh, factor into your plans, if at all? No, in fact, I mean, it's a, it's a prerequisite if you want to be a, um, an avatar in this world. Look, there's a lot of different things. I would say there's three things that we're focusing on this year uh, to be able to um, perpetuate what we've already created with Genies. One is UGC for digital goods. So, you know, we already have the pipeline and everything set for all of our celebrities and IP to be able to sell. But we just talked about that UGC for animation, which means that you do have to have face tracking. You do have to have body tracking. You need to be able to interpret data so that it can mitigate the gap between how you face track and body track and what a mocap soup does. Right. So see, that's super cool. So if I was, uh, you know, a 50 year old uh, boomer Gen Xer and I wanted to do TikTok dances, I could make an avatar uh with genies and then just do my tiktok dancing and publish it as such so without revealing too much um at the very beginning of this of this discussion when i was saying like oh yeah ar dancing like making skits you know that is you know that that you can kind of imagine you're in the right ballpark of kind of uh of kind of what we're contemplating yeah i mean it's there the idea that computer generated films like pixar and then capturing it, what do they call the motion capturing when the guy played Gollum? Mocap. Mocap is the is the yeah. So motion capture is now completely doable with an iPad. Obviously, the, the last iPad with the M1, they were actually showing motion capture software and stuff like that. 
So being able to do motion capture and then put it onto your emoji and then do it with your friends in a virtual world means you could recreate Star Wars or some movie, Goodfellas, whatever. You could make your own version of that and then publish scenes. And, and think, about, think about it like this. How vulnerable do you have to be as a person to go and participate in a TikTok trend using your physical self. Like I don't have the confidence, I'll tell you right now, to just put my video over there and then just like do a dance and then throw it up online for all you my friends. You don't want to do the busted challenge with yeah. me right now? <laughs> I we can, can maybe do it get right now. Ski, but <laughs> I don't think but anybody if, wants to see if, that. <laughs> <laughs> if I mean, look, like if 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 you all of a sudden, and I guarantee you, look, like and again, like without revealing too much, but like it's very public knowledge that. The contributors of TikTok are the upper, uh, there's like, you know, there's a power user audience of course, that's contributing, yeah. right? And the reason why is because you have to be very vulnerable to participate in TikTok. Well, what if I can just do my, you know, face tracking, body tracking, my avatar can simulate it for me. I can remove my physical self from it and my avatar just participates in the trend. Gives you permission to be goofy and, and not more authentic, embarrass yourself. Be yourself, exactly. Be yourself and, and, be, and have fun. Everybody can be an actor. Everybody can be a dancer in this crazy world. And, if, and, and the more that you use it on TikTok in front of all your friends, the higher propensity you have to go buy it for it from all the people that you care about sure. on TikTok. And then all this, you know, that's kind of the creator well, economy. Think about this. Stuff. If you had a Star Wars pack and you and I could play different Star Wars characters, we could subscribe to a Star Wars pack. You could be Princess Leia. I could be Luke Skywalker. You could be the Mandalorian. I could be Boba Fett. And we could come up with our own stories. And I mean, I, I don't know if people are ready for this on an IP basis, but we did have video games as this bridge moment, right? Mm -hmm. We got to play Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader in a video game. Well, now what if you could create your own stories and live in a world and do these kind of things is super, uh -huh. super crazy and exciting and do you want to join our NFTs, product team you, yeah you're nailing it <laughs> well i mean the thing that's really amazing to me is i think a lot of times you know you have these very creative ideas but they don't hit sustainability and just like we me and second life and other ones you know they kind of fade over time because the founders can't keep at it because they can't keep getting funding and there's no sustainable business model but nfts are so clearly the business model of the metaverse of this virtual reality, you know, future, and it's going to be AR too, which makes it even crazier when you think about it. You know, if you're wearing Apple's new AR glasses, which will come out eventually, the idea that you could see Justin Bieber's avatar walking down the street, and Justin Bieber could be, you know, wherever he is, he could he could be in Nashville, but he's got his avatar in Los Angeles walking around talking to people. It's kind of cool. It's we could be intensities at once. No, it's, it's look like the I talk about avatars the same way that I view cars in the current world, right? Like mm. there's different car makers, there's Toyota, there's Ford, there's Ferrari, and each car maker comes out with a new model every single year. And each model has different features that fit a certain personality and you use your car depending on the environment you're going to, right? If I'm going to a party in Beverly Hills, maybe I take my nice car. If I'm just going for a long sure. drive, maybe I take my Tesla or a hybrid, whatever. So in the metaverse, there's going to be different avatar makers. And each year they're going to come out with a different avatar model that has different amenities and different features that you want to be able to utilize but you know it's definitely it's it's inevitable that everybody is going to you know everybody outside the gaming community is going to represent themselves as an avatar yeah i mean if for people who haven't read william gibson's bridge trilogy all tomorrow's parties Hidoru, i don't know what the third one was but i I, re I remember reading them back in the day and one of the oh virtual light was the last one it was a very cool uh, did you read that series by chance mm-hmm this is a good one for you to read because it was kind of like San Francisco cyberpunk. And essentially, people were going to important meetings because they were working on projects together. 
like, you know, cyber hacking projects, whatever. But they were doing it all in virtual space in the metaverse. And they were sweating, what am I going to wear to this meeting? And it was mm -hmm. like, you're in a digital meeting, it doesn't matter. It's like, no, I need to buy a new kimono. And this woman always bought new kimonos before she went to different things. And it might have turned out it was a guy or whatever. Um, but wow, what an <laughs> incredible vision. Congratulations on uh, everything. Thank you so much. And now if people want to participate in this now, it's still closed, but you're doing a beta with a test flight app. Our pre-order is going to be available in the next couple of days. So you oh, can great. get in the pre-order line um, to get your genie. And then ah, what does a yeah. genie cost? Are you going to charge a hundred bucks a year or 10 bucks a month? There's nothing to create a genie. Um, oh, wow. Free to forever? create a genie. Yeah. You'll basically get everybody gets a starter genie. So Got you it. get like this very basic, you know, avatar that has all like the basic features. But in order to evolve it over time, you need to go collect different digital collectibles and wearables. And then eventually you'll have your, you know, we believe that everybody in the in the metaverse should have right. their own individ individualized closet and animations and so forth. So that's where UGC comes into play. But in order to evolve your avatar, you you purchase and buy different collectibles. Perfect. So you can go to genies.com and in the next couple of days from this mm -hmm. episode coming out, create your basic genie and then start going shopping for your virtual genie. 100%. Listen, continued success with this. It's a tremendous vision and we're going to be watching closely and uh, congratulations on a business model showing up and a fabulous <laughs> pivot. I think it's awesome uh, that you uh, are still in the game and figuring it out. It's it's really not easy to be on the bleeding edge, but you know, if you if you survive as an entrepreneur, sometimes a business model will appear that you didn't anticipate and then all of a sudden your vision gets catalyzed and nfts what like as you said three years of acceleration in just one year it's that's crazy. A, that's it that's just a when you're in the game good things can happen this is why you always want to be um building or creating you're either creating or you're waiting and if you're creating stuff man all of a sudden a wave can come that you can ride so it's pretty cool thank you so much appreciate it man. all right sounds good talk to you soon and uh, we'll see you all next time bye bye <laughs>